Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. They'll be like, there's Dusty Terrell. All right, everybody, one of kind, one of kind. Welcome to I Tell My Husband the News. I'm Shannon Ray Green, a journalist at USA Today. Each week, I catch my husband up on all the stories he may have missed. He doesn't really like to read or watch the news, so I'm pretty much his sole news source. It's a big responsibility. My husband, Dusty Terrell, is a local comedian in the Washington, D.C. area. Thanks for being here, Dusty. Thanks for having me, Shannon. How's it going? Great. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Did you have a nice weekend? Yes. We went up to celebrate a friend's birthday in New York City. New York City. Center of the universe. If you can make it there, Shannon, you can make it anywhere. Yep. I made it there <laughs> via bus, safe and sound, and then I, I made it back home. Yeah, it was a fantastic weekend. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. So we got a new review on Apple Podcasts this week. It's from Mo Cena. So thanks so much, Mel. We really appreciate it. You can tweet us. I'm at Dusty Terrell. I'm at Shannon Ray Green. Or you can send us an email at I tell my husband the news at usatoday.com. Love bugs are back. Many in Florida hate them. Experts say that they're stuck in Florida for good. You're my love bug. I know, it's something we use as a term all the time, and that's why I was thinking that this would be a fun story to pick. This was written by my colleague Jim Waymer for Florida Today, which is part of the USA Today Network. He writes, No, they aren't some genetic experiment gone wrong. It's just the usual swarm that splatters its way through Florida twice a year. They don't belong here, though, and are surely here to stay. Love bugs live just three or four days, packing plenty of annoyance into short lifespans. They madden motorists as they splatter their guts on windshields and hoods. They gross out joggers and cyclists as they land in their mouths. And they stress out the chronically clean as they speckle otherwise immaculate white walls of beachside resorts and condos almost completely black. And someone's going to clean them up. There's nothing illusory about their gooey impacts. Those are as clear as day on our windshields. But many myths persist about the lowly love bug. Do they bite or spread disease? How did they get here? Are the white splotches they leave behind acidic? Norman Lepla is an entomologist at the University of Florida. Not to be confused with an etymologist, Shannon. That's exactly right. And you know the way that I remember it? How is that? Is there's an N in entomologist and an N in insects. There's not an N in words. Oh, the way I remember it is there's there's no G in entomology, but there isn't bugs, so it's the one about bugs. That doesn't make any sense because there <laughs> is a G in entomology. Oh, no. An entomologist. <laughs> and etymologist. <laughs>
Oh, oh no. honey, you don't know how to spell. I'm bad at it. <laughs> it's just funny because I'm so terrible at math. And you laugh at me when this kind of stuff happens with math, as you should. And I can't help but laugh at you when you say there's no G in this word that absolutely has a G. <laughs> uh. So back to Norman Lepla, the entomologist at University of Florida. He has spent years debunking the multitude of love bug myths in his presentations for UF's Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences, also known as IFAS. For starters, he says, love bugs weren't genetically modified and then released by UF scientists as a way to rid the state of mosquitoes. He assures folks that that wasn't the case. In fact, the love bugs don't even eat mosquitoes. Love bugs are an invasive species, however. They emigrated into Texas and Louisiana from Central America in the 1920s, according to Lepla. He said that they didn't show up in Florida until the 1940s and didn't show up in Brevard County until the 1970s, when they were much worse than now. Their spread in Florida may have been helped along by prevailing winds, vehicle traffic, sod transport, expansion of pastures, and increased habitat along highways. That's according to UF researchers. Lebla says in an IFAS educational video about the bug, quote, They came to Florida just after World War II. We think pretty much by themselves across the Yucatan. And they radiated across to Florida, and we had a lot more of them then than we do now. Unquote. Entomologists say that they're always around, but the infamous love bug swarms only happen for a few weeks a year, typically in May and September. Love bugs are attracted to irradiated exhaust fumes from cars, lawnmowers, and other engines, and to heat. Males swarm over places where they know females will soon emerge. The females fly into swarms of the hovering males, typically from 8 to 10 a.m. and from 4 to 5 p.m. And that's rush hour for human beings. So the timing can plaster love bug carcasses all over cars as rush hour traffic passes bug-packed Brazilian pepper trees and other roadside vegetation where the bugs live along interstates and major thoroughfares. Up to eight males compete for each female. The love bug flights usually only happen during daylight and temperatures above 68 degrees Fahrenheit. At night, they rest on low-growing plants. Love bugs don't sting or bite. They feed on plant nectar, especially sweet clover, goldenrod, and Brazilian pepper. Leplis says in the IFAS video, quote, Love bugs have no risk to human health whatsoever. Unless you swallow a whole bunch of them while jogging, like you mentioned before. <laughs> Choking hazard only. <laughs> I don't know that there's any specific cases of this. I don't know. What are they talking about in their swarms? They're probably talking about how they can they can choke humans. Oh, gosh, Dusty. Of course, you would make the sweet love bug a menace. Even as scientists are saying it's not a menace. Let me tell you another quote from Lepla. He said, quote, they don't transmit diseases. They couldn't bite you if they wanted to, unquote. But you believe me, they want to. <laughs> But they can't. <laughs> but they want to. What difference does that make? <laughs> Lepla says that the white splatter they leave on the cars is their eggs. Ew. <laughs> he said, quote, they aren't acid and they aren't basic. They're fairly neutral. So what causes the problem is leaving those on the car until the sun and the heat and perhaps microorganisms cause them to be damaging, unquote. 
Over several days, bacteria increases the acidity and etches the paint. So IFAS recommends soaking the surface with water for about five minutes, then scrubbing within 15 to 20 minutes to remove most of the love bugs without harm to automobile paint. I don't have time to clean my car every day, Shannon. (laughs) Well, lucky for you, you don't live in Florida. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Great. And you're not having to deal with the swarms. No one tells those love bugs how to get up to Virginia. (laughs) Scientists warn that there really isn't any way to control love bugs. Pesticides don't help. The bugs fly up into the breeze to avoid it. And few predators eat them. One predator that eats them. Joggers. (laughs) You're really going for it with these joggers. Hmm. You know, I was walking around outside today and a bug went up my nose. Biologists say that now that love bugs are here, they do serve an important ecological role in Florida. Love bug larvae convert plant material into organic components that growing plants recycle for food. That's according to a University of Florida report. Biologists say that love bugs add to the litany of Florida creatures that herald what's to come. Lepless said, quote, they tell us when it's going to be summer. They tell us when it's going to be fall when they come out in September. So they're kind of an organism that brings in the seasons, unquote. It's an awfully cute name for a creature that is so annoying. Yeah. Kind of like you. (laughs) That's why I call you my love bug. Okay, okay. Because you're real cute, but you just get on my nerves like like the dickens. And you're always choking with me while I'm jogging. I was going to at least give you one example that makes it make sense that I could be called a love bug. It's that I make messes pretty easily everywhere I go. You're always leaving your white splatter all all over the place. I wouldn't say that, but I'd say that I spill things and make messes pretty easily. There's like a trail of crumbs behind me usually. (laughs) How do you think you're like a love bug? Because I'm usually... One male competing with eight others for a female. (laughs) Yeah, how did you lock this one down? I don't know. No one knows. There's a lot of competition. (laughs) Here's why people still take the Myers-Briggs test, even though it might not mean anything. Oh, it definitely doesn't mean anything. I like it. I've said from the get-go, waste of time. I'm an ENFP, and I identify with that. I'm also a Gemini. I identify with that. I know it's kind of silly, but I like it. I have no idea what my letters are, and I don't care. (laughs) Here, I've got a test for you, Shannon. Answer this question. Do you think you're an extrovert? Yeah. Oh! My test concludes that you're an extrovert. (laughs) Myers-Briggs. I think it's a little bit better than that. Uh, Not much. (laughs) This was written by my colleague, India Yancey Bragg. She writes, The Myers-Briggs type indicator is one of the most popular personality tests in the world. It's also one of the most regularly debunked. The test sorts people into one of 16 four-letter personality types based on their preferences for extroversion or introversion, sensing or intuition, thinking or feeling, and judging or perceiving. The company's website boasts the assessment has a 90% accuracy rating and a 90% average test-retest correlation. 
It has a quote on the site saying that it makes it, quote, one of the most reliable and accurate personality assessments available, unquote. Many researchers, however, have long questioned the MBTI's scientific merit. Adam Grant is a professor of industrial psychology at the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School. He wrote an essay on the subject and said, quote, In social science, we use four standards. Are the categories reliable, valid, independent, and comprehensive? For the MBTI, the evidence says, not very, no, no, and not really, unquote. These faults are likely in part because neither of its creators, Catherine Cook Briggs and her daughter, Isabel Briggs Myers, had formal training in psychology. I knew that. They're just two crackpots sitting around. Crackpots? Don't call them crackpots. Coming up with, oh, who do you think I'm more of a Miranda or more of a Ugh. Carrie? <laughs> <sighs> Merv Emery is the author of The Personality Brokers, which explores the history of the MBTI. She says that these faults in the test are likely in part because neither of its creators, Catherine Cook Briggs and her daughter, Isabel Briggs Myers, never had formal training in psychology. Emra, who is a professor at Oxford University, said that she found that Catherine Briggs became interested in Carl Jung's book, Psychological Types, and began typing everyone she knew. In 1943, amid the labor boom of World War II, her daughter took that system and designed a questionnaire to determine what job a worker's personality is best suited for. Emra said, quote, it really was this very unscientific process, unquote. In 1975, Consulting Psychological Press, which is now known as the Meyer Briggs Company, commercialized the test and became its exclusive worldwide publisher. That's according to Suresh Balasubramanian, the company's general manager and senior vice president of products, programs, and marketing. Balasubramanian said that the company has spent decades improving the assessment and doing more research on its validity. Research has since found that upwards of 50% of people got a different score when they retook the MBTI just five weeks later. Studies have also shown that the test is not effective at predicting people's success in different jobs. That's because sometimes you feel like an extrovert and sometimes you feel like an introvert, Shannon. Depends on the day. I think that I'm always an extrovert and I think you're pretty much an extrovert too. I barely want to be involved in this conversation right now. <laughs> Balasubramanian claims the research discrediting the MBTI is outdated, but that the statistics have been so often repeated by subsequent articles and studies that it created a sort of internet myth. He added that the problems those researchers encountered have long since been fixed. Balasubramanian said, quote, when you look at the validity of the instrument, it is just as valid as any other personality assessment, unquote. Today, some 1.5 million people take the test online each year, and 88 of the Fortune 100 companies are clients of the Myers-Briggs company. That's according to Balasubramanian. So why do people continue to take a test that reporters from Vox said in 2015, quote, has about as much scientific validity as your astrological sign, unquote. Emra explained that unlike other personality tests, the MBTI is appealing because it is non-judgmental, meaning that all the results are positive. Emra said that it was designed that way because its creators, quote, thought that would be very motivating for workers to believe the only purpose of the indicator was to match them to the best job that was suited for them, unquote. She added that the test satisfies an innate desire to know more about ourselves and an easy way to describe that self to others. Emmer said, quote, Once you know that you can figure out ways to bring your life choices into alignment with that version of yourself, I think that's a really, really appealing fantasy that we can aspire to a kind of self-governance and a kind of coherence. 
unquote. When I said I didn't know what my my Myers Briggs letters were, I wasn't I wasn't telling the truth, Shannon. It's actually I'm a an N L A E with a subset of uh, O O K. All right, tell me what that stands for. Not like anyone else. One of a kind, Shannon. You just said O O K, or did you say O O A K? No, the A is silent. But the of? Yeah, the of is important. (laughs) (laughs) So basically you're saying you're not like anyone else. Yeah, I can't be One of kind. One of kind. One of kind. (laughs) (laughs) I can't be placed in a box, Shannon. Uh, I know this about you. Yeah. I know it well. You are not like anyone else. That's That's right. That's why I married you. Because I'm only going to be with an N-L-A-E-O-O-K. One of kind. One of kind. (laughs) That's what you should have people, like, that's what people will chant when you become famous. They'll be like, there's Dusty Terrell. All right, everybody, one of kind. One of kind. I kind of like it. (laughs) That's not bad. (laughs) What do you mean when I become famous? Oh, right. Okay, listeners, just send us a couple tweets that just say hashtag one of kind. (laughs) Just to make our days. I appreciate it. (laughs) And last today, we've got the lightning fast headline roundup. Does Dusty care about these stories in the slightest? Here we go. Kentucky Derby winner Country House will miss the Preakness. Too hungover from celebrating? <laughs> Florida woman pulls alligator out of her pants. People of Florida, you just, you gotta stop keeping alligators in there. That's not where they belong. <laughs> Google, new Pixel's Android Q coming in the summer. Can't wait to not get one. <laughs> Sears expands Die Hard to lawn and garden tools. Nobody shops at Sears anymore. <laughs> Batwoman and Nancy Drew get CW series pickups. Ooh, very female empowering. Yeah. Small businesses made $160 billion in 2018 on Amazon. But that's not even close to how much Amazon made on Amazon. (sighs) Wireless carriers sued over sold location data. Good. The best robot vacuum ever is on sale for the first time. Unless it's that robot from the Jetsons, I just think I'm not interested. (laughs) Next week on I Tell My Husband the News, well, I don't know. It hasn't happened yet. That's why it's called the news. (laughs) I Tell My Husband the News is part of the USA Today podcast network. New episodes come out every Monday. If you want to check out other podcasts from all across the USA Today network, just go to podcast.usatoday.com or find them wherever you listen to podcasts like Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.